Hi, this is Penny Pizer, and you're listening to TV Confidential. November 2nd, 1985. Miami Vice soundtrack begins an 11-week run at number one. Now, uh, I think for some of our listeners, you know, there was a TV series called Miami, Miami Vice. Miami Vice, yeah, right. With, uh, shot in Miami. Yeah, shot in Miami. Michael, Mann's, Michael Mann's first big... I would say Michael Mann's first big hit. I mean, even th- even though he had written for television prior to that, and he had sh- you know he had shot a couple of independent films prior to that. I mean, this that was the show that put him on the map. Oh, definitely. And many people would say at the time it was the show that changed television, sent television off in a different direction. I think in a lot of respects it did because it was the merging of MTV with yes. network television. Yeah, uh, you know, Brandon Chartikoff basically uh, wanted you know MTV cops, right? And uh, I think, you know, also, this is something of the Brandon Tartikoff era. And, uh, we, you know, we were talking about institutions like uh, Johnny Carson. Mm-hmm. Brandon Tartikoff definitely was this this powerhouse with NBC. Well, we were, we were talking about this a, a few weeks ago in our conversation with Joanne Worley. It's like when it's – we don't think about it at the time, but as we look back, there are certain shows that changed the way television was oh, made. Yeah. And we had also, you know, Miami Vice – uh, dictated fashion, mm-hmm. not just for the United States, for the world. I mean, uh, I mean the suits over T-shirts and men in pastels and, and, and linen, linen on men. Uh, some of those styles still have carried over, yeah. and some, still, some evolved. Can, some can carry it. Some can carry it off. Yeah. Some should not. Which <laughs> is the way it has always been. Yes. Yeah, I think uh, you know the the colors may have changed, but the basic look and style and the casualness. Uh, not wearing socks. I don't know if uh, some of the sock companies uh, were suffering from that. I'm sh- I'm I'm wondering if some of the some of the where some of the people who did. I mean, I I tried that. This this had nothing to do with Miami Vice, but I've tried that a couple of times and it's not good. No, but the uh, I, I think always regretted it. Uh, Don Johnson's look, I think, uh, more so than Philip Michael Thomas's look. Oh, and it being acceptable for the stubble. I mean, Don Johnson but, always had the stubble. The facial, yeah, the three-day growth, he, he kind of mastered that. That became an art form. Yeah. I think Mark Harmon kind of went with that for a while when he was doing the uh, Coors commercial campaign. Mm-hmm. And he was on St. Elsewhere and he kind of uh, adopted that, that there was – and there was a grooming – there were techniques of how to how to create the three-day growth. Yeah. Uh, you know, because there were still uh, issues of continuity and symmetry and, and – and a lot – it would have been just easier to shave, really. Yeah. I've 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 never been a fan of that particular look. And, he uh, said as he records this show without having without yeah, having shaved for a couple yeah, of that's, days. But, that's, but, that's but again, nice thing about radio, yeah. yeah, you could you could do that for radio, but in public, I've just never. I mean, but it, it just may have to do with whether one is able to carry that off, or, you know, yeah. but. That's just that's another story, but but again, Seacrest, you know, he's the I guess the standard bearer of the three day beard yeah. today. He he will do that, yeah. And, and, but many others will not pull that off. Yeah. And uh, let's. Uh, I'm just looking over a few little details of Miami. Uh, Jan Hammer. Yes. Yes. Yeah. He. I would say the the style. Not only that, he would score the episodes mm-hmm. uh, very uniquely. Uh, it was not. I would say stock music like other like shows. A synthesizer. And yeah. you, get, you, you, talk, you talk about influential shows. They would use, occasionally they would use popular songs. Yes. Mm-hmm. 
Not uh, all, and Glenn Fry, Glenn uh, Fry, smug, smug, Smuggler's Blues, and they would use it not just for the sake of having it on the soundtrack. It actually, it it was incorporated. If, if that incorporated into the script, but it actually reflected what was going on. So yeah. it, it advanced like, the story. It advanced the story. That's the word I'm looking for. Yeah, Glenn Frey did an episode uh, where in the Smuggler's Blues was part of that. Ep- and then also there was an episode where they go to New York mm-hmm. and uh, You Belong in the City yeah. played. I think that was a premiere, season premiere of season two. Mm-hmm. And uh, Phil Collins also did an episode where he played a con man. And he... Uh, he Pretty much is the episode. He yeah. was very good in that episode, but it was also a showcase for some of his music. Sheena Easton uh, mm-hmm. had a reoccurring yes. role. So you did have some very talented people uh, in the music world that were able to have fun with their acting chops. And, you fast- and get more exposure. And get more exposure. And you fast forward another 10 or 15 years with David Chase did with The Sopranos, yeah. with what Matthew Weiner does with... Uh, Mad Men, where the use of music also advances, the use of music in the soundtrack for individual episodes advances the story. Yes. I remember the first time I saw My Big Ice. It was the very first episode. And I remember talking to people about it the next day. And me, you know, cop shows, you know, I watch them, I don't watch them. They're not my favorite genre. But I'm like, my God, this was so much more than a cop show. It was, it was cops. It was a music video. It was the colors. It was the look of the show. I mean, just being shot in Miami with mm-hmm. those Miami colors. It was the clothes. It was hearing Spanish. It was so many things. What was the show about? Okay, about cops. But I think the look of the show blew me away, and it brought me back every single week. Mm-hmm. I was a devoted watcher. Yeah, I think there was a certain authentic. Obviously, Crockett and Tubbs busted more drug uh, smugglers than, you know, I would say a hundred Miami cops right. would in, in, in their tenure. So you have to have that suspension of disbelief. But the fact that it was the real Miami and not a studio back and it had that. a grittiness to it, yeah, that I don't think we'd seen before. It, what there was style, and maybe the people were a little bit more attractive, but there was a, a certain grittiness to it, and you did see. Unlike, uh, let's say, maybe like Jack Webb's approach to drugs. Things were very generic, and it was done in the style of reefer madness. Uh, Go back to Michael Mann. Michael Mann, originally, he created Vegas, uh, the Robert Yerk series produced by Aaron Spelling. However, the concept of Vegas and the execution of the show even though I like Robert Yurick, and uh, uh, when I watched Vegas, I enjoyed the show. But it, it had it was a lot glitzier and mm-hmm. glossier yeah. yes. than what Man had in mind. So I think it's safe to say that Miami Vice was closer to what he wanted to do with Vegas. Yeah, I, I think, wow, I would have liked to have seen that. Yeah. yeah, I think the Vegas of the show, Vegas, Robert Yurick's Vegas, yeah. you know. I think the the Las Vegas Convention and Tourism Bureau probably had a hand. Oh, I'm sure. I'm <laughs> if sure. you want to film your show here, there's going to be certain conditions. Right. Uh, you know, for 30 years, you couldn't film in Chicago because Mayor Daley did not like product- the fact that every production was an Al Capone uh, theme, and and so you had you had decades where you know no, you're not going to film in my city, uh, and so I can see there there's a compromise. I think for what they were trying to do with Miami Vice, I would be very curious because obviously there is a Florida Film Commission mm-hmm. and there are 
all sorts of entities that have to say yay or nay to things, but you were able to basically say, yeah, there's a drug problem in Miami. And uh, we know there is a drug problem in Miami. Am I remembering correctly? Was Miami Vice a mid-season replacement? No. It, but, no. Uh, no, it, it, uh, it, it, aired, it premiered in September. Okay. September and so, and I think I, th- I don't, it's September 1984, and I think it was always on a Friday. Friday. So, yeah. And it was one of those shows, I think it premiered with the two-hour pilot. Yes. And then there was a movie. Yeah, Gregory Sierra played. Uh, he, yeah, yeah, he played the character that Edward James almost yeah. took over in the series. Yeah. So that, uh, that was the main, but it was basically the, it was a whole premise that was setting up uh, with uh, Rico Tubbs. Mm-hmm. Uh, claiming to be Raphael Tubbs, who was his brother mm-hmm. from New York coming down. And, and so that whole that whole part played out. And it, I think it was one of those, the good guys didn't always win at the end. Uh, one of, I know one of the characters that get killed off at a certain point. There was, uh, I think, a nice balance of comedy in, in many of the episodes, that you had some very heavy episodes. Yes. And you but had... Um, you, 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 you would balance it off by doing something lighter just to... Yeah, there was... Elvis. Elvis. The pet alligator? The alligator, yeah. Or a crocodile. Yes. It was an alligator. It was the a former mascot of the Florida uh, Gators. Right. My, my mm-hmm. sister went to uh, Gainesville Law School, so yes, very familiar with the Florida Gators. Yeah. Uh, so he, yeah, and, and, and Sonny was uh, supposed to be a, a, a jock. Right, like a former quarterback or something. Yeah, like that. yeah. So, and, then, and then became a, a, a police officer. Uh, but you had that aspect. Uh, there were a, there was a, a, an Elvis themed episode. Uh, you did have one of the cops that was a big Elvis fan. Uh, they they did deal with a few other issues that were not drug related, mm-hmm. uh, you know, in forms of counterfeiting and and other things, and they could keep things a little bit more lighthearted and have you know secondary characters carry an episode uh, that could provide a little bit more comic relief because yeah, they did. They did. I think you had that bonanza element. If one of them falls in love, you know she's dead. That's right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's, uh, uh, that can't happen. Yeah, my favorite character on the show was the Edward James Olmos character. He was so dark. Mm-hmm. Yes. Just so dark. And Lieutenant, Lieutenant Castillo, Castillo, I maintain, was the sexiest man on television. Did it have anything to do with his physical appearance? No. no. He was the sexiest man on television. Yeah, I think I think a lot more attractive actors stole from him later. Yeah, I, th- I think we have at least two or three Batman ca- versions that basically are doing Lieutenant Castillo yeah. <laughs> uh, when they're playing Batman, not Bruce Wayne. Uh, yeah, but you know, you're you're talking about a show that was visually stunning. Oh yes, yes, uh, and still is today when you watch it. Yeah, it, it it still is. It I can we say that it holds up? No, I think it has. Definitely- I haven't seen it in years. Is it dated now? It. Maybe I mean I, I know I, I, I know that uh, years ago FX ran it. Uh, I think they ran it seven nights a week at one point. Mm-hmm. And uh, it, but it, it I, I think it's it's best enjoyed as a product of its time. But not so as a period piece, yes, yeah, so definitely a period piece. I think uh. forty-five years of the Rockford Files revised third edition, the complete history of the Rockford Files. On television, now completely updated with more than 20 new interviews, additional photographs, and a whole lot more. 45 years of the Rockford Files. Available now at rockford45.com, rockford45.com. Be part of our conversation. If you like what you hear, 
have thoughts on this week's program, or have an idea for a future edition of TV Confidential, we'd love to hear from you. You can email us at talk at tvconfidential.net, talk at tvconfidential.net. You can also message us at facebook.com forward slash tvconfidential, x.com forward slash tvconfidential, or at TV Confidential on Instagram. And if you're listening to us on the TV Confidential podcast, please be sure to hit the subscribe button. This portion of TV Confidential is brought to us by our friends at Front Porch Realty, the community of realtors in the Northern Bay area of California that is committed to finding the solution that is best for their clients. Whether you're a first-time home buyer or looking to sell or lease your property in Northern California, call Karen Strain at 415-886-7411. Or visit frontporchrealtygroup.com for more information on how they can help you.